Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and today I'm so thrilled to welcome Misha Dogan, CEO of Cardio Diagnostics and I'm Hip Trusted Partner, to talk about the fascinating topic of cardiovascular disease research and the intersection of epigenetics and technology, which I find beyond interesting. So Misha, welcome. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I'm so excited you're here too. Um, You know, as I alluded to in our prep, I think epigenetics and uh, it is just beyond interesting. I I find every conversation around it fascinating. And then of course, when you bring in cardiovascular research, clearly the Medicaid population um, highly impacted by, you know, cardiovascular disease. and, And you presented on this topic at our recent conference in November and it was one of everyone's like favorite sessions. So I'm so excited for you to share your passion and knowledge with our listeners. So can you just sort of start by telling us a little bit about cardio diagnostics, your mission, your journey, and then we'll dive into everything you have to teach us. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, first and foremost, it was such a great opportunity to be able to share about what we do and our passion for um, advancing cardiovascular care and ensuring that we're able to get the best care to everyone, regardless of who, who they are and where they come from. And specifically in our case, focused on cardiovascular disease, which is the number one killer for both men and women. And to your point previously, it uh, does affect the Medicaid population more so. And it's something that we're very passionate about as a company and as a team. Um, But to give you a little background about cardiodiagnostics, cardiodiagnostics was founded in 2017 by myself and my co-founder, Rob Philibert. And it came out of our years and years of research in the world of epigenetics. Um, when I started in epigenetics, which was about nearly 15 years ago at this point, it wasn't as well known or as studied as wide as we do today. Um, but we always saw the promise of the world of epigenetics. And uh, I'm sure we'll get a little more into epigenetics and the technology. But really, that led to us founding the company because we saw the opportunity and the power of this new area of science and technology to really make an impact in patient care and first and foremost, understanding who amongst us are at elevated risk for various types of cardiovascular disease. So we founded the company essentially to take the science and technology that we had studied for years and um, built, um, to take that and translate that into clinical tests that providers and patients and payers and employers and various people, the key stakeholders in healthcare, to come together and say, we now have a better opportunity to first and foremost get visibility into our population and what's affecting them so we can get ahead of the problem before it becomes something expensive, it affects someone's quality of life, it results in unnecessary or preventable um, uh, chronic conditions and death that we want to 
um, prevent. So that's essentially why we founded Cardio. We're as a company working to define a new standard of care when we think about um, heart disease, because one of the things that has happened and uh, for better or for worse, we've gotten really good at treating people who have heart disease once they have it. But as a company for us, it was very important to take the conversation back to prevention and early detection, because it's not just a great opportunity for us to think about in the context of even Medicare, costly utilization and bringing it down, but about keeping our population and the and our community and ourselves and our family and our loved ones as healthy as possible for the longest time. Um, and so we think about uh, cardiovascular care really from three angles. We think about accessibility, we think about personalization, we think about precision. And when we think about accessibility, you know, that's one key area, even when we're thinking about social determinants of health and health equity, that becomes very, very key. Regardless of who we are, where we are, where we come from, the tools and technologies need to be able to not just meet people where they are, but make sure that they're working well for everyone. So there are nuances to that. So accessibility is key, a part of what we're always working on and making sure our technology, which is best in class, is highly accessible. We think about personalization because the science of epigenetics really allows us to hone in on personalization. So that's one other area. The third is precision because it, tools are great, but if these tools and clinical tests don't work as well or better than what we have today, are they really good options for us to deploy, right? Are they evidence-based? Are they better than what we're doing today? Are they are we moving forward and addressing challenges that we have today? So those are the three key areas that we focus on as a company, and we're very excited um, to be advancing um, the prevention and early detection of heart disease. Oh, I love that, Misha. I just want to like stay on that point a little bit longer because there's so much there to sort of unpack. And first and foremost, I cannot agree with you more that prevention is key. We're talking about it in the diabetes space. You know, how do we treat pre-diabetes? How do we, uh, you know, help folks avoid um, becoming diabetic? And, and, you know, I think the same, you know, is true for cardiovascular disease, to your point, how can we keep our loved ones, our family members, our neighbors healthier longer um, and really avoid not only costly um, interventions, but also interventions that are going to impact the quality of their life. And clearly your quality of life is going to be uh, higher and, and a little bit easier the longer you're just healthy. So I love that focus on prevention. And then to your point, you know, about precision is key because when we're doing something new and we're innovating and we're investing, you know, in the Medicaid program, we're talking about taxpayer dollars. When we're investing, you want it to be a solid investment. You don't want to do something new just to do something new. You want to do it because you're going to see an improved outcome and that it's going to be actionable. Like we don't want, because we've seen this in other tests, you know, um, and other research where, there's a new, you know, where it's just not as accurate to be actionable. And then at that point, do you see that return on investment? So that, that focus on precision, I, I so value because again, 
that's what leads you to being able to personalize that care as well. And then finally access. And I think that's why, you know, I, I so appreciate your focus on the Medicaid program and, you know, coming to our conference and really wanting to, to help Medicaid members, because I find sometimes, and we don't have to, um, you know, dive into that all further, but that some, you know, health innovators, health disruptors sort of ignore the Medicaid program. And, and you guys haven't done that. And I am just so grateful for that because we're such a key piece of healthcare. Um, and so thank you. And, you know, I think let's start, I want to definitely in part, because I'm just so fascinated by epigenetics and epigenetics, um, you know, and what it means for us as humans, but can you just give us a, give our listeners just like a real quick definition of epigenetics so that we're all on the same page? Yeah, absolutely. So the easiest way to think about epigenetics is our DNA software that's affected by our lifestyle and environment. So one of the things to remember about um, a chronic disease like heart disease, um, its complex nature lends it to be about 70 to 80 percent um, a result of non-genetic factors, meaning a lot of factors that we have well within our control, things that we can change, things that are actionable. Um, so mainly in this case, we're talking about our lifestyle and environment. And that's good news because if it's so largely leaning towards lifestyle and environment, then we don't have to throw in the towel to say, oh, I'm born with genetic risk, you know, whether I like it or not, I'm doomed, right? I'm going to have heart disease. That's not the case when we are thinking about heart disease because only about 20% of our risk is um, genetic. So understanding our genetics and genetic predisposition for heart disease is extremely key. But given that it's largely driven by our lifestyle and environment, right now, if you think about it, we tend to ask people how well do they um, you know, eat, do they exercise, what's their living environment, what's their habits, and they're very subjective in nature. What epigenetics allows us to do is have insights into an individual's lifestyle and environment in an objective manner. So the easiest way to think about epigenetics is the turn-on, turn-off switch of our DNA, meaning when we do something in our day-to-day -day life with our lifestyle and environment, these switches can turn on or turn off. And depending on the directionality and what's turning it on and off, it could um, be driving our elevated risk for various types of heart disease. One example I would give is if someone smokes, um, there are turn on and turn off buttons in their DNA sort of, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, would be different than someone who doesn't smoke. Because if I'm smoking, I'm introducing toxins into my cell that someone else who doesn't smoke is not introducing. So my DNA has to turn on and off. My genes have to turn on and off in a way where I'm making certain proteins that need to remove these toxins, whereas someone else who's not smoking don't need to make that protein or as much of that protein to remove toxins because they're not introducing it. So what epigenetics is, is essentially if I smoke, I am changing my epigenetic marker in a way where I am now making more proteins that removes those toxins. So it's my lifestyle, my habit 
that is resulting in the changes of these biomarkers that now result in downstream biology and physiology that could lead to elevated risk for different types of chronic diseases. In this case, we're measuring it for heart disease. Oh, I love that. You explained it honestly better than I've ever had it explained to me, but I love that idea of it. You know, your behavior turning on or off different genetic markers and I love that I, you know, the removal of that fatalistic approach that, you know, mm -hmm. you're just destined to get this because your family or, you know, has previously had it. Because I think that sometimes we fall into that worry, like, oh, my grandfather had cardiovascular disease, my dad did, so I'm going to get it. And, and what I like is that, you know, talking about epigenetics and cardiovascular disease and connecting the two, you're really empowering the patient, the member, you know, to take control of their health. Absolutely. And are there, you know, you, we already sort of dove into this of sort of time, like the importance of epigenetics with regards or as it relates to cardiovascular research. Are there other things you want to make sure our listeners know about the intersection of these two, two items? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, I come from a long <laughs> world of academia, right? That's how I started in epigenetics 15 years ago. Um, what I've seen in ha having spent many, many years in academia, all the way from when I was doing my undergrad work to the time I was doing my doctoral work, um, is there were so many key advancements that we were seeing on the research side. So whether it's academic or just research in general. And one of the things that was very fascinating was there was, there was such advancements, you know, manuscripts after peer-reviewed manuscripts that you would see on the science that's happening and the technological advancements. But after I had invented the technology behind cardiodiagnostics while I was doing my doctoral work, it was a fascinating jump to say, let's take these advances, key advances, new frontiers in science and technology, and let's turn that into an application that's going to benefit um, our society. And in this case, the, the key advancements that we saw from a scientific perspective was, of course, epigenetics and being able to measure it at scale. When I started in epigenetics 15 years ago, there wasn't even a way to measure epigenetics at scale. And it, we were just having a conversation yesterday with um, uh, someone and a potential uh, industry partner, and we were talking about how, wow, 15 years later, look where we are in being able to measure it. And then on the other side, we started measuring it at, at scale and realized we now have billions of data points that we needed to make sense of. And in our case, what we did was we said, okay, now what is the next advancement that we can use and integrate as a basis to make sense of all of this good information that we're collecting. And that's where we incorporated machine learning and artificial intelligence as a way to say, let's go in and identify patterns of both genetic and epigenetic biomarkers that come together in showing that someone's at elevated risk for um, cardiovascular disease. 
So being able to take these advancements and the advancements in these technologies and translating it into something that is highly impactful when we're thinking about even an application in Medicare, where first and foremost, we cannot treat or manage what we do not know right? Like we can't prescribe an intervention or a therapeutic. We can't ask someone to change their lifestyle. If we first and foremost don't understand who this individual is, what are their needs? What are we seeing with respect to their risk for different types of preventable chronic diseases, whether it's diabetes or heart disease or cancer? And for us, it's extremely exciting that we were able to take the frontier in science and technology and say, now we can have a better idea, better visibility into who you're looking at, who you're coming into contact with, who you're trying to help and treat. Um, and that's first and foremost, you know, we talk about signal and noise. If we don't have good data, feeding into what we're doing, we're always going to fall short. We're always going to wonder why did we have, you know, elevated costs here? Why did we see more people in our emergency room um, than we expected? So having first and foremost, the idea of who are we? Um, what is my population like? Um, how do I focus on them? What's the best way to help them? I think that's going to be extremely key, and we now have the science and technology to facilitate that. And to me, more than anything, um, after years of working on what we're doing, that's the most exciting part is we're just only beginning, right? As, as an industry, as um, in healthcare in general, we're just beginning to be able to um, uh, capitalize on all the amazing science and technology out there. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. I, because it, you know, we often feel, or I feel so daunted by the need. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, cardiovascular disease and the, you know, the need to treat folks and, you know, the, the need for more research, the need for better treatments. But I, I like the way you said, but we're just at the beginning and look at how far we've come the last 15 years with this epigenetics research and really scaling it. I'm thinking as you're chatting, Misha, oh my goodness, where are we going to be 15 years from now? And that's such an optimistic point to look at it. And I love that you took sort of your academia and your academic research and, and wanted it to be applied, uh, applied science, applied treatment, something that we can act on as opposed to just something to read about. I had goosebumps when you asked, where would we be in 15 years, right? Like I just had goosebumps. Uh, the future of healthcare and the future of bridging the gap between um, technology for technology itself and technology being applied well in healthcare, and especially when we think about uh, Medicaid and how can we, you know, address some of the challenges um, that are not, but also in some respects, unique to Medicaid Medicaid members. Um, and so that's absolutely fascinating. And, you know, I do come from a family with two generations history of heart disease. 
and having spent a lot of time meeting others who are just like my family, whether directly or indirectly affected uh, by heart disease, it's just something that we can get ahead of, um, especially, like I said, capitalizing on the advancements. And I am beyond, beyond excited for the next 15 years because I think we're going to see a world where we, you know, epigenetics is 15 years ago versus now unrecognizable as far as how much advancements we've made. And I think that's going to be true for the next 15 years. We're going to turn around and say, wow, we've come such a long way we've been we've done better in capitalizing with respect to not just uh, technology but also data and i think that's going to be extremely key for anyone who serves the medicaid population is to continuously look at the data and say what is the data telling me where can i make those advancements how am i doing better how am i maybe uh, not doing as well as i would like in certain areas and I think the partnership between those who serve or are on the ground with Medicaid members, community organizations, providers, and partnerships with companies like us who are passionate in saying our tool and technology should not just go to select few or a certain group of individuals, but if we're going to champion accessibility, it should be for everyone, regardless of who they are and where they are. Oh, you are speaking my language in like every single point you're saying here, Misha. First and foremost, you know, when we think of technology in healthcare, but especially technology in Medicaid, we don't have resources to waste. We yeah. need it to be actionable. We need it to be meaningful. Um, we need it to make a difference, not just to throw some dollars away because we don't have many dollars. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, I think, where cardiodiagnostics fits in. Then the idea of data and data, you know, it's, it's important to have data, but it's important to listen to your data. You can measure all day long, but mm -hmm. if you don't look at those measurements and say, well, what is this telling me and how am I going to change based off what I'm learning? Then why are you measuring? That's you know, it doesn't help to mm -hmm. ask about something if you are not going to do anything about the information you receive. And so I think that's so key of using that data to inform decisions, to structure the program, um, to create interventions, to tweak interventions. And I, the plans do this, community-based organizations do this, but sometimes we find ourselves just with data overload and, and sort of forget that, you know, we've got to measure um, and then, and then, move those measurements into actions. And we've got to be careful, of course, about, you know, the bias within our measurements and all of that. But it's so critical that we use our data to make informed and improved decisions. And I think that's exactly what, where you guys are really hoping to go is sort of understand um, what our communities need, what the risk factors are, and what works um, to keep folks healthy. Am I understanding that all right? Absolutely. I mean, for us, you know, we've always seen ourselves as a convener of healthcare stakeholders, anyone from providers to other industry partners to different uh, plans, um, to community organizations, to community members. Um, 
we see ourselves as saying no one person or no one organization is going to single-handedly solve and address the challenges that we face. And if we have something to bring to the table, which we do, we want to do it with others who are value aligned, with others who share um, the same belief in that these challenges can be addressed and we're going to do it together. Oh, I love that. Misha, this has been so great. I have like about a million more questions for you. So I hope you'll come back because I could just talk to you for hours and hours. Um, but I'm just so excited that you guys are going to host a webinar on this topic um, and that we can continue to really dive into epigenetics, cardiovascular disease, how we you know, in, tie these together and improve healthcare outcomes and how we can better serve Medicaid members. So I am just so, so grateful for you and everything you've done and really watching where this takes off in the next 15 years. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Um, I always tell people I can talk about what we do and what we're passionate about for uh, days, if not years, but I don't think we have that time today. <laughs> so we'll have to just continue the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for our listeners to learn more about what I'm hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.net. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. I'm Samantha Oldsfry. The Sam says, as always, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.